0: The most compelling element for surviving on Mars is the human one. How would we handle colonization? Would we repeat our past mistakes? How would we treat each other? In this concluding episode, we hope to at least shed some light on these questions, maybe with an answer or two. This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. And this is a special preview of that particular episode, available only in its entirety at Sci-Fi Talk Plus. There is a question of leadership as to what kind do we need. Former astronaut Leland Melvin, author of Chasing Space.
1: It's a specific type of leadership because it's it's a very hostile environment. And people here that are in leadership positions unless there's or tornadoes or unless there's a zombie apocalypse or you know something comes it's just crazy um, they're not going to have to react in ways that are the same way that you would to save someone's life in like one minute if something gets depressurized. You have to react in a way that's systematic, you know, um, taking control and, sh- and and being able to shut other things down to solve the problem where everyone dies. And that's the same thing on Space Station, same thing on the Space Shuttle. The, leader, the commander has the leadership role to trump any other words that are said. He says, you shut up, you do this. And you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. That, that's how it. That's how it is. Because it's a, it's a life or death situation. He offers more on the right leadership. Well, when you when you get to a place where the criticality of decision making doesn't cause people to die, then it can go horizontal. But I, and, and and there's a there's some tipping point between the two. You know, based on the criticality of uh, of what people are doing. So if you're flying if you're flying a helicopter on Mars and if the person flying it you know doesn't really know what they're doing the commander needs to take over and say I've got the stick now and and that person is relinquished because that person's in charge of that part of the mission when I was in space station I was in charge of the robotic arm I was in charge of moving the robotic arm and I could tell anyone that hey this is what you need to do to support me or go away because you're you're not helping me you know so you have a a resident expert who can can do those things so vertical harm I think it depends on the criticality of the, of the task that's being done.
0: do, do we over romanticize space too much interesting being there interesting Being there is obviously different than what I would think it is so and, and we because of our fiction we look at it you know going back to like Buck Rogers
1: right. and things like that. So do you think that happens and when you're really there it's like oh it's not like that at all it's cold I mean, it's actually a little lonely at times I, I think any anything that's new that you explore and it's been talked about and it's been dreamed about and it's fantasy and magical and science fiction and all this it's romanticized I mean it's just by default because you don't know what it is the stars oh what are they what are they? you know what is that up there you you write poems about it you you know do about it But once you get there, you know, on the space station, I'm thinking I'm gonna look out the window and see all this beauty, which I did, but the toilet, everything floats. You know, I mean, like, if I don't do this right, there's gonna be <laughs> stuff everywhere, right? <laughs> so, there are moments in your experience in space that are mundane. You gotta clean the filters, you gotta make sure you put all your stuff away, because your underwear gonna float in someone's face while they're working on the robotic arm, and then everyone dies, you know? So, there is a mundane part of that, but that's part of living. That's It's anywhere. But the flip side is you do get these views and you do get this collaboration with people that we used to fight against. I'm there with Russians and Germans and French and first female commander and African-American and Asian-American. It's like a Benetton commercial, you know? It's like we're all just working together happily knowing that if we don't support each other, we all die. And that's and that's beautiful because flying over Afghanistan, you're looking down and you're like, there's some stuff going on down there. That's not good. And other places that you see. So it's. I think if more people could have the chance to go to space and look back at the planet in that way and get this uh, this positive overview effect, I think more people will come together. And so if that's a romanticized piece. I think it's a romanticized, but it's also a reality. It was a reality for me.
0: There's more on the science of Mars, the human element, in a moment. Martian author Andy Weir on what kind of role Earth government can play on Mars.
2: Uh, Is there a role for government? Um, I think in the early stages, government's going to be critical to funding commercial space flight in the same way that government was critical to getting the commercial airline industry off the ground in the 30s.
0: Alder Planetarium astronomer Lucianne Walkowicz and also physicist Dr. Michio Kaku talked the commercialization of Mars.
3: I think it's inevitable that there's going to be a little bit of conflict, but I think that's going to generate energy, enthusiasm. Competition, I think, is a good thing. Now, when you look at the uh, Apollo space program, it was great. The government did it, but it was very expensive. The Apollo space Program absorbed 5% of the entire federal budget in 1966 5% of every dollar you paid in taxes went to the Apollo space program that's unsustainable now we have Elon Musk we have Jeff Bezos of Amazon we have uh, Virgin Galactic we have all these uh, billionaires coming in and that's rejuvenating the uh, the space industry so I think it's a good thing that we have private enterprise because NASA was criticized as being the agency to nowhere. Great program, but federal budgets mandated that you could not go back to the moon, could not go to Mars, and so it stagnated. The agency to nowhere. Now we're gonna go somewhere. So I think it's a good thing that we have private enterprise rejuvenating the the space industry, though, of course, priorities are gonna get skewed a bit. These are big egos. They have to make a profit. They have shareholders to deal with. But I think overall, it's a good thing.
2: Well, so there's yeah. always been conflict, um, I think, between the interests of private industry and scientific exploration. But it's important to realize that historically, scientific exploration and private industry have never been separate. Going back to you know the early like voyages that went to do measurements of the eclipses, those were all scouting missions that were funded by you know people with commercial interests. And I think that um, even when you go and you look back at the early history of like the first satellite in space um, was a spy satellite that was funded by the government and put up by a private company. So even now that we have people like Um, Musk or Bezos, who are involved, what's really changed is, I think, the narration around what they're doing because they're still vying for government contracts. They're still getting their money from NASA. Um, And even though they're trying to angle for more independence that has maybe been the thing of the past, what's different is really kind of the packaging around them as opposed to somebody like a Boeing or Lockheed Martin or Northrop Grumman who have been government contractors for a long time. So, you know, I think that it is true that scientific exploration and commercial interests like the actual like ability to turn a dollar is pretty different and i think could lead to conflicts just like the one you see on the show and and that it's important to explore there's always been this connection um going back to the very beginnings of the space program
3: in fact if you look at the wild west hollywood movies uh, about the wild west on one hand you had the ranchers the ranchers, in turn, were up against the miners. They were up against the, the sheep herders. They were up against the railroad. And it made for a good copy on Hollywood movies, but that's the reality. That's how the West was won. The West was won by a combination of different interests coming together to form a new nation. So I think in the same way the Wild West was a prototype of how America was developed, it'll also be a prototype of how civilization will develop on Mars as well especially because prices are dropping so that private enterprise can jump right in for example the movie the martian with matt damon that movie cost a hundred million dollars but the indians put a probe on mars for 70 million dollars a hollywood movie about going to mars costs more than actually going to mars and that has opened the door to private enterprise there's more
0: on the science of Mars. The human element in a moment. And former astronaut Leland Melvin talks about the science versus the commercialization.
1: I existed in a in a solely government government-run space station. You know, so space shuttle, space station, all this stuff was all government-run, and there was not the driver that we have for this commercial interest. Now we're we're moving. It's shifting a little bit now with. You know we're, you know, looking at getting commercial vehicles taking you know U.S. astronauts to space, but this tension between the scientific mission and the commercial—we got to make the money. We got to pay the stockholders. You know, we got to pay the investors. And you know, is the is the backhoe that's trying to lay the pipe for the water system going to disrupt the field that the scientists are actually studying? the geological changes on the Martian surface, and that's that happens right here on this planet right now, with people encroaching on each other's space, right? Now Mars is really big, there's not a lot of people there, so there's a lot of space that maybe people can spread out a little bit, but when these two entities come together, that, that that's where the tension lies, and that's where you need, and if there are no policies or laws that say who owns what, then it has to be good leadership. Because both have to coexist in a way that's harmonious, or everyone dies, or everyone falters. And I, and, I, and I truly believe that we need to go into this in a way that there's good leadership.
0: Cause for hope. Science versus commercialization. Colonization. Many things to ponder before we land on Mars. Will we be wiser? Treat each other better? will the science and the commercial work hand in hand? Mars could actually be a huge opportunity to forge a new path as human beings, or we could be doomed to make the same mistakes again. But there's always hope. Now, you can hear the entire episode. You can hear this entire episode. You can hear this entire episode commercial-free without any interruption on Sci-Fi Talk Plus, including the first two episodes as well. All you have to do is click on the link in the show notes and you can log in, create an account, and it's totally free. There's no obligation to buy and you won't be hounded by me to actually go to a paid account. It's free for a lifetime. So check it out. It's worth it. There's going to be a lot of special programming added. So definitely check that out. Thanks for listening. I'm Tony Tolato.